Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My guest today is author Julie Hall, and she is kind of known as the estate lady, and she is talking about how to calm the chaos your parents leave behind and all that inheriting clutter that we have. And as a financial advisor that's been doing this for um, over 30 years, I have so many stories (laughs) about, you know, families who have to kind of dig through the things that their parents leave behind. And I know myself, just as I was downsizing my own house and talking to my children about it, my grand, my daughter said to me, mom, I don't want anything that I can't put in the dishwasher or the microwave. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, and we love the things that we own. And of course, the reason for doing the shows right now to have these conversations that really matter is because of COVID-19. And we've all watched on TV and we've heard the statistics of how many unfortunate families have been affected by COVID-19 through the loss of loved ones. And Mm -hmm. every one of those people who passed away had things and somebody Mm -hmm. had to really deal with the things that they had in terms of um, gifting them, disposing Mm -hmm. of them, going through homes. And it's a daunting experience and especially with the situation that most of us couldn't even spend time with the people that we mm-hmm. love that passed away and many people felt paralyzed by the mm-hmm. whole idea of it and this of course is something that we are dealing with on a very large scale right now but what julie is going to talk about today are things that are that we deal with anytime somebody passes mm-hmm. away so julie i'm curious what what, why did you step into this arena and write this book about inheriting clutter? Well, I got the calling about 30 years ago. So I was in my late 20s when 
this came to me. And how it came to me was through my very first client who happened to be 102 years old. And she had outlived her husband and her children and she had a house full of beautiful things. She had lived in Germany for 80 years. So you can imagine the figurines and the gorgeous furniture she had. So we agreed I would do some research on it and come back a week later. And when I came back a week later, what I saw was a home that looked like a carnival had just run through it. What had happened was the neighbors and friends, so-called friends, helped themselves and took advantage of her. Maybe through a dollar or $5 or $10 her way when there were thousands and thousands of dollars worth of items in her home. And sitting on her sofa, she looked at me and said, did I get taken advantage of? And I said, yes, you did. And she said, wow, she goes, us old people need a nice estate lady like you. And right there, the estate lady was born. And I knew I needed to be an advocate and be a strong voice for them when they couldn't be for themselves. You know, it's really hard to look at all the things that we love and to think that somebody else isn't going to just love them mm -hmm. or cherish them. And when you're sitting down with a family, it's very, it's difficult. I know it's difficult mm -hmm. for me as there are arguments that start and things that people want. And how does someone even go about this as, as an individual that's thinking, I need to declutter my house or I need mm -hmm. to start thinking about the things that I have. And we certainly have had a lot of time to do that. And I think people have taken time to walk around their house and think, wow, what am I gonna do with all this? I think it begins with two things. The first one being having those, that open dialogue, those open communication lines with your children, with those that are closest to you, and then taking it a step further and making a plan. And by that, I mean making it legal, putting it in legal documents. Uh, most of the time, the adult children, if we are discussing an older person or couple, they don't know if their parents even have a basic will or an advanced healthcare directives, or who's the power of attorney, who's the executor, they have no idea that, they don't even know where the documents are. So beginning this entire journey by having these conversations, by making a plan, putting a plan in place so the children can follow it, kind of like a map, is of paramount importance. Because if they don't, the children are left to guess. And when the children are left to guess, bad things happen. You talk about the estate planning documents and making sure that people understand. One of the things that we do for our clients is we have family meetings and we sit down and we go through all of those documents. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't want to do it because they know that there's going to be opposition. Mm -hmm. But truly what most people want is their family to remain intact and they want there be harmony and they want them to still talk to each other. Can you start by uh, maybe giving some examples of things that people can do to start looking at what they have and the importance mm -hmm. of what they have. And I know one of your, your chapters is, and, and it is daunting, is you start out by just um, looking at the first signs of of having to do this. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, I would move, but I've got 30, 50 mm -hmm. years of stuff. I wouldn't mm -hmm. even know 
I wouldn't even know where to begin with mm -hmm. cabinets and drawers and well um, it's always good if you enlist help and by help I mean a willing friend um, someone very close to you even hiring a professional to help you thin out the house if they can afford one to come in and kind of professionally organize with the intent to thin out and downsize. Um, I think that the, the biggest issue or obstacle I see is people have a love affair with their stuff, with their things, with their possessions, because they hold special memories for many people, myself included. Um, and when they have difficulty letting go, I always suggest, hey, take a picture of it. If you haven't, if you haven't used it inside of a year, statistically, you never will. So take a picture of it. It takes up less space and maybe give it to somebody who can really use it. And maybe it's somebody who's been looking for it for a long time. By thinning out, I mean, let's talk about the kitchen cabinets just for an example. Um, cool Whip containers, the mayonnaise and peanut butter jars, the pie tins, you know, these have a tendency to completely overflow the cabinets to the point that you're going to get bonked in the head when you open one. So do you need 37 of them? No, you need maybe three. So that's what I mean by downsizing. In one kitchen, where it was just an elderly woman, we had 97 drinking glasses. I don't think she needed 97 drinking glasses. So that's what I mean by thinning out and having somebody take these things to a local charity of choice or a Goodwill or whatever is close by. And it takes a good year or so ahead of time to begin doing this. Um, in a situation where you have a tragic or sudden death, it needs to move a little faster. So it's always a good idea to hire a professional to come in and either work with you or to do it for you if you're not capable of doing it. So many, you talk about the baby boomers in your book and you talk about um, someone who is alive today who has maybe, maybe too many things in their home. And <laughs> I'll talk to their siblings and, and, and their children and they'll say, well, Mom will never get rid of that because she comes from the air, the depression air. Mm -hmm. And so it's very hard. And I remember when we went, my mother had been very sick. And when we were there, we all started to clean out cupboards and do that. And she looked at us and she said, usually people don't do that until someone dies. And, and we felt terrible. Yes. But we could see the daunting and just what mm -hmm. you said, so many bags and so many things. Mm -hmm. So how does it how does a if we look at someone who is alive today mm -hmm. and parent and children um, dealing with their parents, how can they make that effort and how can they help their parents to start that process? And I think it's good because you find out at that point what is meaningful and what isn't meaningful. Mm -hmm. So often kids don't even know that. So let's deal with the parents that are alive today. The kids are gonna be there this summer, maybe mm -hmm. with COVID, of course it's different, mm -hmm. but holidays are coming. And mm -hmm. if they go and they spend a little bit of time with their parents, how can they start that first step towards well, downsizing? I think this begins with a very important conversation. Mom, you've always been there for me. It's time for me to be there for you. 
and I'm going to help you start to thin out the house a little bit so you have more space, more room, and you begin to work together on it and hopefully get your siblings on the same page at the same time. I know that a lot of people that I've talked to have said to me, I don't want to have anybody come in my house if they're alone, like your first client mm -hmm. was all by themselves. I don't want someone to come in. They, they're afraid of having movers come in. They're afraid of having people come in. Mm -hmm. Are these companies safe and how do they find a safe resource for helping them with all of this stuff that they have to move or mm -hmm. move around or get rid of? Well, I think they have to rely on some local resources that they do know. If they know a, a banker, if they have a relationship with their financial planner or their estate planning attorney, ask them for referrals of people that they trust. And I always tell my clients, you need to have a little bit of skin in the game and research these uh, resources for yourself and make sure that they have good reviews and check references and so on. And if they still don't wanna be alone in the house, have a girlfriend or a friend come over when they are there. That makes good sense. We're gonna take our first break. And when we come back, let's look at this unfortunate situation that somebody has passed away and you are the one that is going to be required to step in and take care of their home and get rid of the things that they have. My guest today is author Julie Hall. She has written a great book. It's Inheriting Clutter and it's How to Calm the Chaos Your Parents Leave Behind. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Julie Hall. She is the author of the book, Inheriting Clutter, How to Calm the Chaos Your Parents Leave Behind. And one of the things, Julie, that we do with our clients is that we make, make sure that they have all of their estate planning documents in place mm -hmm. and their wills and their trusts. And one of the pieces of the estate planning, of course, is to always make a list of the things that are important to you that you wanna pass. Mm -hmm to yes. individuals within your family. But generally those are the things that, you know, the strand of pearls, the necklace, the gun collection, mm -hmm. you know, those types of things. But all of a sudden, you know, children have gone through the passing of a loved one and they have to, one, walk into the front door of their mm -hmm. house or condo apartment. And it's like, where do I start? Or they have one parent left that has to be moved into a safer situation or a smaller mm -hmm. situation. What happens the minute they walk in that door and they just mm -hmm. are paralyzed as to where do I even begin? Well, the word paralyzed is, is a good word to use to describe it. And they do walk in and the very first question they say is, oh my gosh, where do I begin? And usually it's because there is not some kind of plan in place or there hasn't been a thinning out or a gifting ahead of time when the children feel overwhelmed like that. Or perhaps you had a parent or an individual that just wanted to keep their stuff right where it is. And, and it may be a, a hoarder. It may be someone who just has a lot of collections. So you begin with, I always tell people, 
please don't do anything. Don't throw anything away. Don't give anything away. Don't distribute anything until you know the values. Now, of course, a lot is going to dictate on, on what the will stipulates or if there's an addendum to the will for the personal property. But always know what you have um, value-wise, fair market value. Someone like myself can walk through an estate within two, three hours tops. We can tell you what has value, what doesn't has, have value, how it can be sold, the best ways to be sold based on the geographical area. So in a short period of time and for a small investment, you've got the beginnings of a game plan. And the game plan will determine how well this goes. So once you know the value, then it becomes, you know, how do we divide? How do we begin to divide this? I think the children need to come first and they need to take what they want. And for me, I'm big on financial equity, equitable, being equitable. And I hope that the parents will plan a little bit in advance and maybe put together a wish list. Ask the kids, what do you want from, from mom's home, from dad's home? And then gather those wish lists and have a master list with an appraiser like myself who can assign values. They should be as equitable as possible unless the person gifting has a reason otherwise. So I'm a big believer in keeping it as fair and square as possible because that will erupt in people's faces at a holiday party five years down the road if they feel like one person got the lion's share. So after you get someone like me in, you can hire a professional or you can enlist the help of siblings, friends, neighbors, and begin from the top down. If there's an attic, tackle that first. And I explain all of that in the book, how to do that, but kind of create an assembly line because the majority of what is in the attic is probably going to be discarded or donated because it has been exposed to heat and cold throughout the years. And even if you had, a, let's say, a beautiful antique doll up in the attic in a chest, chances are its face is probably pretty cracked from the heat that it has experienced, unfortunately. People sometimes put things of value up there and I'm not sure why. So work your way down. It's also very important to keep four piles or four rooms designated. What I want to keep, what we're going to sell, what we're going to donate, what we are going to discard. And that is not as easy as it sounds because people often argue on what should be discarded and what should be donated and everybody wants to keep everything and uh, so it's not as easy as it sounds but those are the four basic groups that things need to be broken down into and this will take some time and you have to make sure that if you need a dumpster you get a dumpster nobody likes to talk about that or maybe somebody can haul some things off to the local landfill if they're truly unusable. But these days we donate quite a bit, as much as we can and we recycle as much as we can to try and leave a light footprint on, on the earth. You mentioned something that nobody wants to throw anything away. And recently I had a client who um, they, they were forced to downsize because of health reasons. Mm -hmm. And she said, Karen, I don't know what to do. I have an attic full of my grandmother's stuff, my mother's mm. stuff, my aunt's stuff that nobody wanted. 
And I just couldn't part with it. And we find that people take things because it was my mom's, it was my dad. Mm -hmm. And yet I think even our own individual lives, we have to look at the things that we have and are they things that we're just holding because mm -hmm. we think they're keepsakes. And one of the big surprises that happened to me, not maybe 10 or 12 years ago, was that I had an antique high chair that I absolutely love. And I remember saving up to buy it from an antique store, having it in my house. And it has zero value because now high chairs aren't wood and they, it's too big. A baby could fall through it. I don't know how we lived with some of that stuff. But the truth of it is that all much of the China, much of the antiques that we have today, people don't even want. No, you bring up so many points just in that one little uh, statement. Uh, first of all, what we need to think about, it's our stuff. We have memories attached to these items from our parents and our grandparents. But what we forget is we think our children and our grandchildren are going to have the same sentimental attachment, which I can assure you they do not. Uh, this is the Ikea generation. They want everything simple and clean and they don't want the doilies and the painted porcelain. And all of those things are lovely and were very important to that generation. But it's very hard for them to understand that the younger generations really don't want them. And so we're, we're facing a very interesting place in the market right now where it's saturated with traditional household furnishings. There's simply too much supply, not enough demand, and it's driving the prices downward on antiques, on collectibles, because the millennials and Gen X, Gen Y, they are not collecting like the older generations used to do. If they collected, they collected 300, you know, vintage cookie jars. Today, millennials don't do that. So what happens when they pass away is the market becomes really flooded with a massive collection. And from a financial perspective, we have to think about that as appraisers. When let's, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, you mentioned appraising, and that is always a tough job for people mm -hmm. to really understand, particularly stamp collections, coin collections, mm -hmm. different things. I had a client that had almost a thousand thimbles that she had collected all over. And of course, her children each wanted one. She had three children and one for each grandchild. And then what do you do with this stuff? So let's take a break and find out what do you do with the stuff. Key. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I am the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is author Julie Hall. She's also known as the Estate Lady, and her book is about inheriting clutter, how to calm the chaos your parents leave behind. And during the break, we were talking about all those different things. And I remember my mom having Hummels and all kinds of things that she had got that were beautiful in her home, and they were things I attached to my mother but they would not fit at all in my house. I can't think of anything that I actually wanted to of my mom's because my mm -hmm. lifestyle, as you said, is much different. But yet we have, it is in many cases, we think of it as clutter, but it was 
mementos and it was things that were mm -hmm. important to them. Just like my mother has very, a lot of silver and most mm -hmm. of it was engraved with our family name on mm -hmm. it. Well, nobody wants it. Nobody wants to polish it. And I've got it in a big box in storage. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and how do you get this stuff appraised? Um, as I said, I had a client that had thimble collection and a, a, a butter mold collection and lots of men with fishing pole collections and gun collections. And um, we had one of our employees had a purse collection. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, a lot of things that are very valuable to her, she mm -hmm. spent a lot of money on them, but stamp collections, coin collections, paintings, mm -hmm. Um, these are all things that are hard to put a dollar price on and even to know who to have, you know, appraise them. Very important to find, uh, I'm what you call a, a, a residential. I am a, a generalist appraiser. So I know uh, a little bit about a lot and I know how to research. So I would start with someone like myself, a personal property appraiser, um, your listeners can always go to the American Society of Appraisers or the International Society of Appraisers to begin to find one. Um, also, you can ask local realtors, usually they use them too, or attorneys might have uh, some that they use for estate purposes. Very important to determine the value of collections because depending on the time of you know, okay, let's say you have a collection of coins. This is very common. You've got some silver, you've got some gold, you have some American, maybe European. Some have value, a lot of them don't. And uh, some of them may just have silver value, but the ones with the gold and some of the larger, like the old, you know, Morgan dollars and things like that, walking liberties, very important to have these looked at by an appraiser who may recommend a coin person. But I always say to my clients, do not sell to who appraises. Make sure that you're getting, you pay an appraiser separately. I am an, an objective third party. I have no interest in these items whatsoever. Therefore, I can give you an objective opinion of value. And, and there's a difference in values, too. A lot of people will present me with um, a, a, an appraiser, an appraisal from like 1985, when silver was at an all-time high. Of course, we're, we're much lower than we used to be in silver. These appraisals are written for replacement or insurance of value, which is considerably higher. I appraise at fair market value, which is pretty much like an estate sale or a local auction, which is a good value to work from. You mentioned that the little lady where you started back so many years ago asked you if she had been taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And of course, we all know rummage sales. And now, I mean, the world has changed. I don't know if people are going to have rummage sales. If it's better to just gift it and take a tax deduction. Mm -hmm. And you also hear about that one time where someone bought a painting and it was worth a million dollars at a rummage <laughs> sale and it wasn't appraised. So those are all the stories that circulate out there. And they are alive and well, and I can tell you plenty of them. Um, for example, um, a few years ago, I was walking through an estate that was in horrendous shape. 
a lot was covered in mold. And I was in the basement with the elderly executor who really just wanted it all just taken care of. Julie, here are the keys, just get rid of it. And in a laundry basket in the basement, I spotted two vases that were covered in mold. And I said to him, what are these doing in this laundry basket? And he said, oh, they're ugly. They're going to goodwill. And I just very jovial, you know, in a jovial manner said, I don't know how to tell you this, but these are extremely valuable vases. And if it's ugly, it's usually valuable. I ended up selling those two vases for over $50,000. So you just never know. And if my eyes had not been there, then that estate never would have known. And my guess is the charity may not have known either. Yes. It's really an amazing thing. The other thing that I find is a lot of people hide money in their houses. Oh, yes, very much so. Um, when we are cleaning out estates, we are very, very careful to look under every stone. We look everywhere. We look under couch cushions. We look in pockets and in the little zippered compartment in purses. I even strain what's in canisters because I found a six carat diamond in the sugar once. Um, you know, we find old uh, dilapidated cardboard boxes in the attic that are full of cash. And anybody else would have just thrown the box out and probably not dug deep like we do. But we find a lot of cash and the children really need to do their due diligence or get somebody they really trust to sort through everything. You know, I remember my mom and dad going on vacation and um, she had some food in the refrigerator that she had forgotten. And I started to think, oh gosh, there's a little bit of jelly in this jar and a little bit of that. And all of a sudden I heard this clink and my mother had put her jewelry in a jelly jar with jelly in it. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> I've seen the mayonnaise, but not the jelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And she said, well, I knew nobody would go in there. And I'm thinking, but if something had happened to you, you'd have died or something, we would have just pitched all that food out without even thinking mm -hmm. about it. I happened to move it and thought, what is that clinking in there when I moved mm -hmm. it? And there was her rings and all of her jewelry. So it's people do do strange things with their stuff. You know, this is such an interesting generation. I've studied the Depression era. They're amazing people, and I adore them. But they have an unusual way of thinking. They are usually distrustful uh, because of the time period that they come from and, you know, recovering from the Great Depression. So they're very silent about things. They don't really like to discuss their finances or debt. They don't like to discuss... Um, matters that are dark, like death or planning for death. Um, so it's very, very important to try and kind of get it out of them and, and find out um, where their stashes are, because it's not a good idea to die if you've got stashes in the house and nobody knows where they are. So this goes back to our original conversation about opening up a dialogue and saying, you know, mom is there someplace I need to know about in the house where you've maybe got some staff, you know, cash or jewelry. My mother used to keep her jewelry in a cookie tin on the top shelf in a bathroom cabinet. And it would be tucked all the way in the back. Unfortunately, my mother died suddenly and without warning. And my father died a few months later, suddenly and without warning. 
And then my husband died uh, shortly thereafter. So I had three estates in a row to deal with. And fortunately, I knew most of where their stashes were, except my mother surprised me as I was going through her private um, lady stuff. I found several thousand dollars in cash in her in her underwear drawer. And I started giggling because I always told mom she should have some cash in the house, but I didn't mean that much. <laughs> let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about the unfortunate circumstances when you're not an only child and you can um, deal with your parents' estate or a family estate, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, when you have siblings. And so often there's discord. And I remember when I downsized with my house and I put our grandfather clock into my office. And one day my oldest son, John, was there and he said, Mom, isn't that my clock? Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I remember things like my mother, when I got married and I wanted to buy really good crystals from George Watts, which was the store where you went to if you were going to be a bride mm -hmm. and um, your registry. And she said, oh, you don't, don't have to get those because when I die, you'll get mine. And of course I'm 20 years old. <laughs> and I said, okay. And um, probably when I was 40 years old, I was at my mother's house for Easter and I was pouring water putting ice in the, and she was putting the water in. And I said, oh, mom, it's going to be so nice someday to have those glasses. And she said, oh, I gave them to Linda. She said, you can afford to buy your own. You can buy your own. And I was devastated. Oh. And had I not known that, I would have probably fought my sister tooth and nail mm -hmm. for those glasses. Mm -hmm. Because we say things and we don't realize how our kids hear that. And they take it. And I was 20 and you know, now I'm 70 and I still remember that story. And so let's, when we come back, talk about some of those things that parents say, it's like the, I think about the family recipe on TV and I don't know if it was the Olive Garden or what it was, but each kid thought they had the family recipe and the mother had given it to all of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that happens so often. And so with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sets, said Karen Ellen Becker. My guest today is Julie Hall. She is the estate lady. She is also the author of Inheriting Clutter, How to Calm the Chaos Your Parents Leave Behind. And I know that as I told my little story about how my mother told me I was going to get these glasses mm -hmm. and then she gave them to my sister. It happens all the time. I mean, those are yes. the types of things that we remember um, things that we played with a lot, things that are so, just the other day, my daughter said to me, mom, you've got to make sure that I get that big roasting pan of yours. <laughs> and I said, well, Aunt Fran gave that to me and now it's mine. She says, well, I'm the only daughter. I really want a roasting pan. I mean, we're talking about a roasting pan, you know, but those are the kinds of things that mean a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. those have been the family dinners. And I think it's some of those things that we, that have, tie us to those memories that are the most mm -hmm. important. Oh, I've seen more fighting, probably three lifetimes worth. And there's no easy answer for something like this. I try to get people to gift 
things while they're still living, while they are mentally and physically able to make these decisions. I think it's really important to gift while you're still alive for two reasons. You will minimize any future contention or fighting, and you get to see the joy on the recipient's face, which I think is a beautiful thing. I also think it's very important, you know, I start my whole career, I've heard he said this. No, mom said I could have this. No, dad said I could have this. This goes back to document. Document these items and distribute that, that document to your children. And so that nobody has any surprises, of course, to your credit, there's always going to be grandmother's antique eyeglasses or mom's silver hairbrush or mom's favorite perfume bottle that somebody may fight over. And it becomes um, a battle of the wills or will not, you know, I hopefully there's one child in there that's going to turn the other cheek and say, okay, I'll let you have mom's perfume bottle if you'll let me have grandmother's, you know, pearl necklace or whatever it is. There has to be some give and take because and here's the crux of it. They're not going to be angry just for the week of the funeral. They're going to be angry the rest of their lives. And that's not a good legacy to leave. So you have to do the basics, get the big things out of the way, and just trust the children to the best of their ability that they're going to make good decisions, honor their parents. That's the kind of legacy that people should leave. When I think about... Um individuals, they'll say, well, I have a will or I have a trust. And what a lot of people don't realize is that doesn't really deal with the personal property. And so wills and trusts and money actually are often very simple because it's very cut and dry. It says Mm -hmm. what to do. Where it gets into trouble is when children have borrowed money. And the one thing I can tell you is everybody knows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't think anybody Mm -hmm. knows, but everybody knows. And everybody keeps tabs on who owes what. And mm-hmm. so the more that you can do to talk about and to either say and have it legal that if I'm giving you $20,000, if I die and you haven't paid me back, it comes off the top. That's or the right. more that you can, you said you're a firm believer in keeping things equal. Yes. The more you can do that. So your documents deal with the structure of your house. It deals with a car. It deals with some of the things. But what I find... Mm-hmm people fight about is the stuff, the stuff that's mm-hmm. inside the house. And Indeed. so can you talk about what happens with that stuff? So basically you come in and there are things that maybe hopefully somebody has made a list of, mm-hmm. and those are, uh, that's a legal document and those mm-hmm. are gifted and given away. And then there's things like toasters and bed sheets and linens mm-hmm. and chairs and Mm -hmm. you know um clothing and Mm -hmm. tractors or lawnmowers Mm -hmm. what happens to all that well there's there's so many different options i mean it really depends on what the family wants um if in you mentioned earlier what's going on with covid um there are still estate sales that are going on they're taking all precautions but there are still estate sales because people need to sell their contents so you can hire a professional estate liquidator you can look into a local auctioneer and again you can get 
um, some good referrals by your local realtors or financial people or um, you know maybe your lawyer, they will know who to use and who to trust in your community. But that's one option. And usually it's a combination of, okay, we're going to sell as much as we can. And then whatever's left over, we're going to arrange to donate. So, and then whatever they don't take, if they don't take it, has to be discarded or given away some other way. Um, a lot of people will sell on the Facebook marketplace or Craigslist. But I think it may be easier just to have an estate sale and, and do as much as you can at one time. And I think really be aware because I would never want to just throw things away, but I was in a situation where I had bought a condo and it had a, everything was left in it and it was stuff, but it wasn't stuff I wanted. And so I had to make some quick decisions and I called two men in a truck and they took all the stuff. And I said, well, do you just drop it off at Goodwill? And they said, we drop everything off at the dump because oh. they said they don't have time. They're, they've got another job to go to. They don't have time to go to Goodwill. They don't have time to go to another place to drop this stuff. They just get rid of it. So mm -hmm. I was heart sick because mm -hmm. I knew that there were people that could have used those beds. Yes. They could have used the mattresses. They could have used the old refrigerator. Yes. But I didn't have time to really do that. So I think it takes time. And I would so much prefer to have things go to somebody. And there's so many mm -hmm. people with hardships now that could use things. So it's a good time to be cleaning out. It's a good time yes. to be donating. It's a good time to be giving to people that really, really need it. I couldn't agree more. Even thinning out our own closets, um, people are really going, I mean, we have winter right around the corner. People are going to be needing socks and shoes and jackets and hats. And we probably have an abundance of them. So it's really important for us to start doing that now. While we can, we have the time. It's a really good time to do it. There are so many people out of work and so many people that mm -hmm. could use things. So I think today we've talked about people who are living and have their homes at any age to start looking at the things that you can simplify. Mm -hmm. And then for children, uh, beneficiaries who have been faced with this COVID and losing someone that they love, um, some steps. If you pick up the book, it's called Inheriting Clutter. It's by Julie Hall. It's How to Calm the Chaos Your Parents Leave Behind. It's really a must-have book for anyone who is going to have to step into those shoes and be the executor or the trustee of an estate, someone who's going to have to really deal with all of the things that somebody has mm -hmm. and feel that they're doing it in a good fiduciary way and making good decisions. So Julie, thank you so much. Is there one thing you'd like to leave with our audience today? One thought? Oh, just when you're talking to your loved ones, come from a place of love and compassion. It's very important to do that. There's enough hatred in the world. So I always say, lead with the left and, you know, just, just do the best that you can. And know that all of these things are important to someone. And, um, you know, someone once said to me about a rummage sale, that is someone's treasure. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. That is someone's treasure and you, and to respect the things, but I know the tendency when there's so much on someone's plate and people are paralyzed is to just get rid of and not think about it, mm -hmm. but to have some empathy and love yes. 
and uh, I think your book is a great resource for people to move through it slowly and efficiently. So thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to this show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.